This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We're doing a second podcast this week because there's just a lot going on. And not really in the sports world, but it just seems like... I mean, I, my Twitter feed, I was talking about this last time, is so valuable. Like, I feel like I'm getting, getting good information is just so important in uncertain times. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin. But, um, yeah, as soon as we will stop recording this podcast, a bunch of news will come out even then. I mean, it's just getting, it's escalating. And it's uh, scary where we're headed. And um, I think uh, California is going to be shut down by Thursday night. Uh, shut down in what way? Like you're not allowed to go out or what's the, what would be the rule? What would be yeah, good? I don't know the details, but that, I don't know. Like you'll, I'll look foolish in any prediction I make on this because it's just, everything's just so crazy, but it's headed uh, to some sort of, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. But um, there's been some concerns as far as your government uh, stepping in thing. Well, where, where do we stand now? Let's, let, let's just start with where, where do you stand? I, I stand where I stand before. Like I think the government should make an announcement, encourage people to stay home, Businesses should be encouraged to voluntarily close. People should be encouraged to stay home. But if they do go out, uh, then there should be no criminal penalty. They have rights. And uh, I saw a comment by Jerry Donabedian, who recommended the podcast, which was nice of him. Um, and he was saying it wouldn't work in Baltimore. And I'm not arguing whether it would work. I believe him. If he lives in Baltimore and he knows a lot more about Baltimore than I do, then I believe him that it wouldn't work. But whether it works is not my argument. <laughs> my argument is we hope it works. Uh, we would you know, try to figure out how to make it work as best as possible. But if it doesn't work, the solution of doing it by force is worse than just having it not work. Because, you know, so, okay, so some people are still spreading it. It's not good. It's going to last longer. But to me, if you give the government the power in an uncertain situation to impose their will on the citizens in violations of their basic rights, then you have unleashed something that's much more long-term dangerous than this virus. And it could be the next flu virus. It could be a terrorist attack. It could be an earthquake. It could be whatever. They're always going to grab as much power as they can and tell you, like, who are you to question? The scientists say this. You don't know anything. Again, like, I think we should look at the scientists, look at the things that people are saying, look at the refutations to what the scientists are saying, and not just believe them because they're scientists, but do your best to educate yourself and make calls. People, some people say, oh, you know, who are you to, who do you to have an opinion on this? You didn't study the, you're not an epidemiologist, you're not a doctor, how do you know? Be like, well, how many people who are doctors were saying it's just a flu? Yeah, that's just the people who are, yeah. Right? I mean, well, it, the idea that like, oh, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a person who is trying to get information and luckily with social media and a really good Twitter feed and diving into debates and conversations and links and its sources. I mean, you can do some pretty fast research on something that 10 years ago would have been impossible. 50 years ago, you would never catch up that quickly and you might still be misled. I mean, you might still not understand something fundamental because you don't have the training and make a mistake, but look at all the people that were well-trained and well-versed and in charge and they were totally wrong, or it, we don't know for sure, but they seem to be totally wrong now. So I'm not really an argument from authority guy. I don't think the scientists should be our new priests. Oh, the priests before. Oh, God says this. Well, how do you know? Because I'm the priest. I'm, it's my job to know. The scientists become the new priest. It's like, oh, I'm a, I have a PhD in this, so don't do your own research. Don't look at the evidence. Just trust what I say. That's not science, right? That's religion. 
Science is, okay, here's what he claims. Here's his basis. Here's what the people who disagree say. Some of this stuff is over my head. Some of it I can understand what they're arguing about. I'm going to make the best call I can. All, all fair points. I, w- I will like to point out one guy I found to be the best follow on Twitter about this stuff. I think his name's Dr. Eric Ding. I, I found him because he liked someone through this podcast uh, said suggested uh, that he's been doing good work and he liked the real man would thing. So I went and I followed him through that and he's been terrific uh, ever since then. So, so my friend sent me something this morning. I woke up to about talking about uh, basically the police uh, shared your view and I started to get upset and I was like, wow, how many deaths is this going to cause before you guys I don't know, say it's okay for the police to step in 10 million. Cause we're headed, headed that way. And then I actually clicked the link and it's like Philly, Philly officers have been instructed to stop making arrests for follow the following lists of nonviolent, violent crimes. It's like uh, burglary, vandalism, auto theft, like all kinds of, of crazy stuff. And Israel's passing an emergency law to like track and trace mobile users. The federal government is in talk to, to do the same with us. So, so yeah, I, I, I guess I do kind of see, your guys's point when it gets this goes that far yeah but the um, whole question you're asking the wrong question how many people are going to die because nobody knows you're doing a utilitarian calculation you're like is it no i got you i know i know is it worth three million deaths is it worth eight million deaths to have your libertarian you know you have your freedom but thing is nobody knows how many deaths it is right and so what happens is utilitarianism is used to justify utilitarianism is john stewart mill and it's the greatest good for the greatest number so if you think something's an existential threat or just a massive threat to kill millions of people then you would be justified in doing all manner of insane stuff to stop it no matter how immoral those things are because you might hurt two innocent people but you save 10 you know it's sort of like a scale where's the weight but that is a morally bankrupt philosophy because uh, we don't know the future people say well let's say you knew for sure that if you tortured some child you could prevent a nuclear bomb going off that would kill a million people the terrorist says all you got to do is torture this innocent kid and the nuclear bomb won't go off would you do it? And people are like, ah, oh, it'd be horrible, but I'd have to do it. You know, for a million versus one kid, I mean, I would just, you know, I'd feel terrible. So let's say you do it, and it turns out that the terrorist, you torture some kid to death, and the terrorist actually isn't a terrorist, he's playing a joke. Uh-oh, you just did the worst thing you could possibly do, and you screwed up. We say, oh, no, no, that's not fair. The hypothetical said that this was going to happen. Yeah, but in real life, there is no... We don't know for sure what's going to happen. We don't know if the bomb's going to go off. We don't know if the weather will get warm and it, this thing will go away or it'll get worse. We don't know. Well, it's not the first time I've been called morally bankrupt, which I believe you just uh, kind of did. And well, no, I'm well, saying maybe it's, it it's last, the way of thinking that is morally bankrupt sure. to say that, yeah. that I can I trade doing some monstrous thing to somebody because it's for the greater good. Well, how do you think every single despot has justified his actions oh well we're gonna have to just murder a few political rivals because they're interfering with the greater good my regime is going to bring justice and happiness to everybody and you know it's like khaleesi in game of thrones like she was just willing to like burn people because she needed to, to run things and that was the greatest good right but like if you have more of a kantian moral framework where you say Act only on that maxim you would will to be a universal law, meaning only do what you think someone in your shoes should do, and treat every person as an end in themselves. Nobody is a means to the greater good. I can't just exterminate you because you have a disease. I mean, then you can just justify killing people who have diseases, right? I mean, you're like, oh, well, now they can't spread it anymore. All, all the most horrible things that have been done in history have basically been done with the idea of whatever horrible thing I'm doing is worth it. And anybody who's self-interested, who wants to be the ruler, or has a lot of money at stake, or has some great purpose at stake, is going to see the calculation in a biased way and justify the things, the bad things they're doing, and minimize those things and maximize the importance of the goal that they have. That's the history of all corruption. You know, the whole power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. That's what it is. It's that it's a utilitarian mindset where the things that you care about are magnified and the things that uh, you have to do to get there are minimized. And it's a terrible way to think. So if you say, well, it's not going to work if they voluntarily do it, so we've got to do it by force. Oh, now you think that you can take away their rights because this is a very scary, urgent situation. Who are you to take away their rights? Those are what rights are. If, if rights disappeared when the situation got scary, then they're not rights. They're just sort of conveniences, things that we let people do. No, a right is something that the government cannot take away. So either you don't believe in rights 
if you believe rights can be suspended because the government says something scary, then you don't really believe in rights. You don't really even believe that people are free. Yeah, Paul, that makes sense. And this is uh, very scary. But um, so right or wrong, it's happening, though. I mean, it is all the restaurants around me are closing that all the counties in the Bay Area are are locked down completely. So um, now what? Well, I mean, if they're again, like voluntary minimization of harm uh, is great. Like I'm staying home. I didn't have to stay home. I did go to the park uh, with Sasha today and, you know, we didn't touch anybody or get close to anybody, but we ran around in the park a mostly empty park. There were some other people doing exercise there, but like, we're not interacting with friends or going to restaurants or anything, but that's us. There's some restaurants open. I don't begrudge them for being open. I just think, all right, but like San Francisco right now, you know, they're in the, the, you know, they're, they're basically locked. They're locked down until whatever, April, whatever, 17th, whatever. They're like not allowed to open. People aren't allowed to be out. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it's just, it's a bit of fascism and they feel like the, 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 Stakes are high enough that they want to do it. But again, you're trusting the government to determine when the stakes are high enough to take away your rights. And I just think that's an incredibly dangerous precedent because we've seen in so many times in history that if they have the power to take away your rights, if you can't go to court or resist or have your fellow citizens be like, absolutely, they are not taking my rights. They're not taking your rights. I don't agree with what you're doing, but you have the right to do it. Then that that's a very dangerous and dark path. And Trust me, governments will take whatever power you let them have. You, you have to fight. And preserve, rights aren't just, oh, well, they gave you the rights in the Constitution, so don't worry about it. You know, 200 years from now, those will still be intact. No, they won't. They'll use emergencies all the time. They'll shut down your speech. Oh, what you're saying is dangerous. Oh, we can't have you on Twitter because you said it was the flu. I don't think it's the flu, but I don't want someone shut down for saying that. I hear you. No, I, yeah, I hear you. Um, but it, but it's apparently happening, uh, whether right. we it's like it or not. Scary, that to so me is more scary. scary. Yeah, That's more scary. The scarier thing, the disease is obviously scary. The economic damage is also very scary. Although I, I'd argue on both sides, the, the, the human reaction to the virus is, is scary, if not, uh, you know, scarier than the virus itself, both on both sides. I hear what you're going to say the government and I'd say the people that, that are, you know, out there celebrating on the Florida beaches. You but know? that's not scary. Those people, those, th- that is the virus. The reason you're scared about what they're doing is because they're going to spread the virus, right? But they're not doing anything to you intentionally. They're obviously perpetuating the life of the virus, but they're like, ah, I don't care. I'm just doing, I'm free to do this. And they're allowed to do that. Okay. Well, I mean, just being actively dumb about, you know, harming others is a little frustrating as well. I, I mean, that's, that's, your, that's your opinion. Some people think yes, if you take, some people think, mine, some right. people think if you take an airplane, you're causing global warming. Think about this. That, that's fine. I, I will judge. Think about this. People. Think about this. I, I, I think about the this. right to judge the hell out of those people. Okay. But think about this. Let's say you're a young person and your number one concern politically and your number one threat is global warming. You think that that is the existential threat of our age. There are a lot of people who believe that. I don't. I think we should not pollute the planet. I think we shouldn't mess with the environment. I think there's possible danger there, but I don't believe it's the number one existential threat to the species. But there are people who literally believe that. Many, many people. I mean, it's pretty mainstream, actually. The coronavirus, the coronavirus is reducing our environmental impact like nobody's business. There is no law or suggestion that could have happened to reduce the amount of travel, pollution, shipment of goods, all this stuff. It is reduced like nobody's business. So if you think, if you're 22 and you're probably not going to get sick if you catch it, and you think that global warming is the greatest threat to civilization, as you've been told by every scientist and every media person and all the people who have all the right beliefs, shouldn't you be like staying out and spreading this thing as much as possible? Keep it going. You don't want this to end and everyone to go back to business as usual. It's a threat to the entire existence of humanity. Have you, have you seen Venice? Venice Beach? Yeah. No, no, no. no. Venice, no, Italy. Venice, Italy. Yeah. Have you no. seen it? No. Oh, it's amazing. Google it as soon as we're done. It's the, the smog is cleanest, gone. The cleanest the water's ever been. They see the fish. It's absolutely amazing. They'll, they'll compare the same canals, you know, before and after. And just this little brief time of no humans, uh, the, it's just unbelievable, the water, the difference. 
Right. Um, I mean, so, you know, so you're like, you got to stay home. You can't party. There's so yeah. much. Oh, no, wait, 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 wait. You're judging these people because you're like, you, you guys are doing this horrible thing. You, you got this utilitarian mindset, but they could easily turn around and say, no, actually you're doing a horrible thing. You're traveling, you're driving, you're flying, you're using all the, all this carbon, you're burning all this carbon. We're the ones keeping this virus alive that is going to save the planet and save the species. And this virus is not, you know, it'll, we don't want it to kill people, but it will. Yeah. See how the utilitarian argument can get turned on its head. So you don't yeah. want to go there. You just have to say, look, they're free to do that. I'm free not to do that. I would encourage people not to do it because I'm taking it seriously. I don't want to see old people die unnecessarily early and in a horrible way. Um, I hope that we get rid of this. But then you're going to have the same problem with global warming once you come out of this. Everyone, hey, just take less air, air travel, drive less. Oh, really? Are people just going to do that? And you're going to have the state come in and enforce it at gunpoint that you can't drive or you can't get on an airplane anymore? I mean, it's the same argument. It's the exact same argument. But, you know, so you're judging these people, but then you're going to be judged by everybody who says, well, you know, you, why are you traveling for a fantasy baseball draft? Who cares about that? Yeah, that, that's an interesting brain teaser that you got me with. And I want to make something very, very clear that at one point in my life, I would be doing the same. I would be the, the, the yes, person the idiot, beach yeah. that I'm criticizing. The I, I, there is no <laughs> doubt I would think that I'm invincible. Like two weeks that. ago. <laughs> Maybe a little bit longer than that, but but absolutely there was a time in my life. I mean, I, I absolutely want to make that clear. Um, but But right now... I feel like the word surreal is like overused, but dude, like I was feeling my hands yesterday and I'm like, what is this? This is a bad time to get a rash until I realized, at least I think I'm having my, making my hands messed up from all the washing. I'm washing my hands so much. It's getting raw. Why, Why are you washing so much? Aren't you at home mostly? Yeah. Oh, I'm only at home pretty much. So what yeah. are you doing? Washing your hands 10 times a day at home? I don't know. I'm just worried about like packages getting delivered and, and, yeah. and, and that, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I have kids. I don't know. Just too much, obviously too much, but man, uh, it's a, uh, I don't know. It's tough times. Where, where are you standing? Uh, just with this all like emotionally, man, it's tough enough being a parent. Now I got to like act brave and like explain this and like moms everywhere going crazy being, you know, having to teach their kids. Um, I don't know, man, where, where are you guys standing? I guess 99% of the Italy deaths suffered previous medical medical conditions. So that's like an encouraging thing in a little way there, but all the other numbers are just pointing to this is just going to be so grim. Like, I mean, who, who knows how long this podcast will even last. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know. I'm just not, I mean, I, maybe I'm missing something, but I felt like I did what I could. We're going to the grocery store when we can. We have plenty of supplies for a week or so. And I don't, I got out of, I got out of the stock market. Luckily, thanks to some Twitter follows, I just realized I want out. I'm not going to wait till I'm not going to try to leave it in and just listen to all those idiots on TV. They're like, buy the dip or, you know, keep it going, you know, keep your, don't worry. It'll bounce back. Like I thought this was serious. Um, I'm keeping an eye on my money. I think everybody should. I can't really give financial advice because I'm not, it's not only like, it's not because I'm not a professional. It's because I just don't want to be responsible for anyone else's, uh, financial allocations. Obviously I bought the dip on Bitcoin and I got out of stocks and I'm, at some point, maybe I'll get back into stocks. I don't know. Um, I, when that point is, I'm going to uh, look at people who are paying far closer attention to that than me. I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, okay, watch out for the money. I think the system could collapse. I think there could be some unrest. I think Trump has a real test and, and it's going to be a real test of him, but he might get lucky because I think he's going to pass some of Bernie's type of proposals. You know, the universal basic income. I know there was Andrew Yang, but you know, Bernie mm-hmm. wants socialism where, you know, everybody gets something and that's similar and socialism for people who really need it. You know, people who can't pay rent, there's a moratorium a little bit on rents, not rents on uh, evictions and foreclosures. Obama could have done that during the uh, last crisis. He didn't. He bailed out the banks, no strings attached. They foreclosed on pretty much everybody. So this is some. What about the casinos, though? List the casinos. Well, I don't know if he's done that yet, but if he does that, if 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 the casinos get bailed out, I don't think he's dumb enough to do that. But you know, he does have like friends in that area, Steve Wynn and Sheldon Adelson. So who knows? But if he's dumb enough to do that, he he could lose the election. He can't really lose to Biden, I don't think right now. But if he's dumb enough to do that. Because the casinos are the most ruthless parasites in society. I mean, obviously, you've lost money in blackjack. People have lost their life savings. They don't give you a bailout when that happens. To give those people a bailout, I mean, that's just... And for them even to ask for a bailout, what a bunch of nutless, nutless monkeys. I mean, that's just embarrassing. How can you look at yourself in the mirror as a human being, as a casino operator trying to get a bailout from the taxpayer? I mean, you were just... It's just the most disgusting lowlife on the planet would even, even ask for that. 
So, yeah, so I don't think that's actually going to happen. But, but I, I think that the only playbook for Trump is to give people the money and to turn down and make a public showing of turning down the begging from these scumbags who bought their own stock, got huge bonuses, and now are coming back for the taxpayer to bail them out and just make a huge public showing of saying, absolutely not. You guys should have managed your business better. You shouldn't have bought the stock. You should have had this cash for a downturn. And when you got a business, well, smart people will buy you and we will have them run the airlines hopefully more responsibly, you know, or run Boeing more responsibly. I mean, Boeing, they have like 600 deaths on their hands. They got blood on their hands with how cheap they were not investing in the planes and instead enriching themselves. I mean, to bail them out is just disgusting. And so I think Trump, we'll see. I mean, he's got a lot of grifters and cronies around him. But he's got a real chance. I, I tweeted this out. You know, the uh, Democratic Party appears to have stopped Bernie, but apparently they cannot stop Trump from initi- from uh, enacting his policies. And I think that would just be hilarious if Trump. Didn't went- someone call you out for being a Trump hater for that tweet? Right, it's not a Trump hater tweet. It's it's neither. It's it's just saying <laughs> no, it's a, Trump- someone called you that. Yeah, I that was dumb. That was just dumb. But this is like Trump. He's got this opportunity where he's like, wow, you're just you're just giving it to me. The Democratic Party is so. Pathetic, you know. Nancy Pelosi was like, I think she was trying to be like, well, we we need to means test this uh, universal basic income. Oh, really? So we want to spend months figuring out how to only get just give it away. The people who don't need it can give it to charity, or so what? It's a drop in the bucket for the one percent to get the thousand. You know, I mean, ninety nine percent need it. Get it out now. Just exclude it from people that make over two hundred k or whatever. No, just give it to everybody. Even trying to exclude that and figure that out. Why are you wasting time on that? Just get it out. You know, and those people can donate. It's fine. We don't think, I don't even think we mentioned Trump uh, last episode until after we stopped recording, but you, you think he's done uh, an, an okay response so far? I think his initial response was very bad. It was very uh, nonchalant, business-oriented, and just sort of like keep it going. And then a couple of weeks later, I don't know how long it was later, and he was mentioning the stock market and other things, he did a pivot, and that pivot was good. And... Either he saw the writing on the wall politically or he realized the seriousness. I mean, whatever. I don't need to read his mind. He was bad and now he's doing a better job and he definitely squandered some time that might have been really valuable. So I don't, I don't want to say good or bad. I hope he continues to do what he's doing now, which is taking it seriously. And it sounds like some of the policies are more yeah. people-oriented rather than corporation-oriented, which was exactly what happened in 2008 the last time. And I, I think it would just be hilarious if they completely boxed out Bernie from the nomination and then Trump took some of Bernie's ideas and <laughs> and ran with them and, and then all all and the, here's the thing about Trump not only could he get so popular from doing this stuff but the establishment has been trying to kill his presidency they're all in for Hillary in the election they're trying to do the fake Russia stuff for two and a half years they try to destroy him so really this is the big fuck you back to them also right it's like oh yeah all you people the people who own all these companies that want the bailouts the people who are you're the same people mostly who are trying to get me impeached, who got me impeached, who are trying to get me thrown out of office. So it's kind of a double whammy. But unfortunately, I think Trump is a little compromised by some of the you know cronies that he has, the Sheldon Adelsons and the Steve Wins and, and his friends. So I hope that um, his political instincts, which which are pretty good, and it's not even doesn't even have to have good instincts. It's just obvious. Take care of the people; you'll be rewarded for it in, in November. Yeah, I would ask you if you think there's going to be delayed elections, and it sounds like you still think he's going to win, but uh, the Biden, the odds, the market definitely has moved uh, more in Biden's favor. Um, I would really fade Biden so hard. If you want, if you want to bet, I would fade Biden. Biden is not going to be president of the United States. He looked lucid in the debate that I that I watched, at least. Uh, he, he was lucid against Bernie. But I'm sure by the time this you you, you publish this, Bernie will have dropped out. But um, I don't but, know. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. There was a false report that he dropped out already, and it was, it was totally fake. That was just um, – Whatever, we're all discussing anyway, but I do have a, someone wanted me to ask you, what, what should the government and the Fed be doing instead of printing money? Well, I think it's fine. I mean, they could print some money, but they should just be universal basic income. Look, I'm not an expert on this, right? I don't know all the ways in which money gets into the system, but interest rates are crazy low, artificially so for now. And so if you borrow 30 years worth of 1% or whatever and use that to print a couple trillion bucks and put it in the hands of people, those people will go and spend and buy stuff and get the economy going again, most directly. Uh, They should not be putting in the hands of banks to lend and hope that 
people borrow and then invest and buy houses with that. You know, when you banks lend you money at low rates, you you get a mortgage, you buy a house if you can afford it. You buy several houses; they end up being good investments. So it's put the hands, put the money in the hands of the people that will spend it on things and the people that need it for necessities, and uh, and it will be unemployed soon if they're not already. And do not give it to corporations and banks as bailouts. I, that's the easy one. I, I, there's probably much more subtle stuff that they could do, but that's just the obvious. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be, it's just really difficult to predict, obviously, but I mean, it's just going to be, it's crazy. I, I've been buying Bitcoin myself. I don't know how much is is enough, but um, I've been doing some. Well, here's what I'll say is that, so it got cut in half right away in the first drop. And everyone's like, ha ha, look, you thought that was a, a hedge. You guys are ridiculous. But it was the weekends. It was all the people, all the yeah, institutions. Yeah, you said it last time. yeah, it was all yeah. the institutions that bought it as speculation. And when they had to get liquid, because they had margin calls coming, they were levered up, they had to get rid of it. So they dropped it, they dumped it, it went down. But the last two market drops, which are also huge, 13% Monday and 6% today or whatever, it didn't move at all. It didn't budge an inch. Now it's starting to get de- uncorrelated with the stock market. That's what you want. Right. So, right. And it's the strong hands. The only reason I think it hasn't gone up is because people like me and maybe you and friends of mine, people I know, we're not sure it won't go down more, so we might want to buy it cheaper. If I knew that it wasn't going <laughs> yeah, down more, course, and I'm, getting, yeah. I'm starting to get convinced that it won't because right. it hasn't. But if I knew that there wouldn't be another dumping, I might go in even bigger because I'd be like, this might be as good as it ever gets. You know, so I think people are waiting to see, ooh, it went down to 3,800 for a minute about five days ago. So they were like, okay, maybe it'll go back down. I'll get even more. But now that it's stabilized, maybe just keep feathering in. Again, do your own research. Storage is an issue. Yes. It can go to zero. There's nobody bailing this out. They hate it. But, man. So the, so the, so the other thing I've been reading, and I, uh, this guy, Ra- Raul Powell, tr- uh, he has this thing called, um, what's his, uh, he has some financial channel that's supposedly good called Real Vision. And uh, he tweeted about how he basically sold everything. He's just in cash and Bitcoin, dollars and Bitcoin. The dollar is going to get strong, apparently, he thinks. I don't know. I'm not really great about that. I probably bought euros to pay the rent a couple days ago at the wrong time. But I think the dollar is going to be strong as long as the market crashes and everybody's fleeing to liquidity. And then once they print so much money and put so much money out there in people's hands or corporate hands, then uh, the dollar will get weak and people are going to... I think probably want an asset that cannot be printed. And that's why I think Bitcoin is in a good position today. Um, I'm in. One thing I wanted to say is that I, I am aware that I will I'm almost certainly get sick myself. And the reason if I'm acting, if you, you know, make fun of me for the overly washing hands is I do have like, whatever, a, a mom who's approaching 80 who, who lives close by and uh, I see her frequently. So that's why I'm being overly cautious right now. And I fully expect to eventually get sick in my whole household. It just seems inevitable. Um, so well, maybe it's all futile. Being, being, being cautious is good, right? I mean, being cautious in your own personal behavior is good. People are like mock me like, oh, you're like some kind of prepper. You're going out and, yeah, I'm buying toilet paper and food for my house. That's good. Toilet paper is out all around my area for days. It has. We can't wow. order it anywhere in any of the grocery stores or, or Amazon, obviously, or anything. So that's, I mean, whatever that reason, you know, people made fun of people for stockpiling, but they might make fun of them, but they're going to have the last laugh because of it. Because right now, we actually cannot get it. It's it's pretty insane. Not, not, having, been, not having toilet paper is a shitty situation to be in. Yeah, you know, especially you know me, you know I have my uh, yes. issues. But uh, how is it recording XM with with very different, no more gas and, and all that? I mean, I, I I was informed by your producer I'm not coming on the show tomorrow. Yeah, well, that wasn't because of anything to do with the coronavirus. That ah, was, uh, well, I set you up for that. But okay, no, a couple things about toilet paper. So one, we had Greg on a Monday, our last day of guests, and we were talking about toilet paper, and somebody circulated a thing to the expat, expats in you know in our group or Heather's group. Like, you know, that thing next to your toilet is called a bidet. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I haven't used it yet, but there, it's much less of an emergency for someone in Europe to go without toilet paper than in the U.S. Because Oh, those are great. Those are great, too. Oh, yeah. I wish got, I had one. Yeah. So you got an alternative solution, and maybe you don't go back once you start using it. But we have a lot sure. of toilet paper. But it's not just that. It's just, again, like buying some food and toilet paper. Like, people could be like, you're ridiculous, but okay, so I've got toilet paper for the next six months, and I don't have to go out to get it 
well, who cares? There's no downside to that. Oh, I've got some extra sardine cans. All right, I'll eat those over the next yeah. year. It's fine. They won't go bad. There's there's no downside to being prepared. It's just costs you a couple hundred bucks, and you know you have to go to the market a couple times. It's not a big deal. But the downside to being not prepared is horrible. And if you want to be cautious, I wouldn't wash your hands so much that you're getting you know destroying your hands. <laughs> yeah. But, but nobody sound like a freak on the Yeah, table. but but. If, you know, if you, a little being extra careful around your mom or whatever, that's good. I just draw the line at saying, now these other people need to be at gunpoint and forced to do it, you know, yeah. because I have yeah. this thing. It's perfectly normal to be worried about your mom, obviously. It's just, you do what you have to do and hope for the best. But that's, you know, yeah, that's all yeah. you can do. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah. Um, fair. Okay, speaking of the health stuff, and so you said, yes, my mom should still continue to take a turmeric pill. Turmeric is good. I, I, I think she's just worried because, you know, the anti-inflammatory thing that's totally separate, not related it's to the... It's non-steroidal uh, anti-inflammatory right, drugs, right, NSAIDs right. or whatever, and that's ibuprofen. There's probably others. There's, you know, Aleve and Motrin and uh, Advil, Excedrin. I don't know. Some of them there, are Tylenol. There, yeah, there's been some connection. I forget if we said this. I know we talked about it in the last pod, but I don't know if there's been... If it's if it's fallen further or whatever, but some connection that that's with the, with the younger people getting sick is, is they've been using that. Um, but my next main question is for health is, is convince me the sauna. I'm trying to talk my wife into it, but yeah, it's a great time to spend money, but really, you know, we're not going to be leaving the house for the foreseeable future here. And, uh, I have a place for it. Actually. I have a room in my garage. It's just using storage and, and why not the infrared? Because that was like, I think Rogan's all about the infrared. Well, you can look up, you can research it. What I've heard is that the infrared, it's like too intense. Like it, it actually doesn't feel as hot, but it directs the heat in very specific places more. Whereas the overall, and the overall is uh, what Nassim Taleb would call Lindy, meaning it's stood the test of time. People yeah. have been doing, you know, Native Americans did saunas, like they baked themselves in these like underground, they dug these pits and put like canvas over it and, you know, lit a fire and sweat it, sweat lodges. And in Finland, they do it in China, they do it in, you know, all over the world, they, they have saunas. And, and the actual process of a real one is not difficult, I would imagine, no? No, I mean, you just buy it. It's just like coals that heat up, and right. then you put yeah. water on them to get it hotter if you want. Right. But uh, it's pretty easy. And uh, sweating is just incredibly good. Heat kills viruses. You know, having a fe- the reason you get fevers when you're sick is to kill the bug. Those bugs like a very specific environment, and when you start to tweak the environment on them, make it a lot you know, something that it's not used to, it will die. Um, sweating gets out toxins and poisons. It cleans out your system. Obviously, you want to be hydrated. But uh, putting your body under uh, acute stress, like high heat for 20 minutes at a time or however long it can take, is really good. Chronic stress is bad. Acute stress is good. Uh, also, um, there's some sense that saunas simulate exercise. You're, you know, you're sweating like crazy. Your pores are open. There, there's some sense in which your body almost gets like a workout from it. So... Just altogether, it's uh, it's a great thing. And if I weren't in an apartment and I had like a yard with an extra space, I would get a sauna for sure. Yeah, and I be, even if it's just psychosomatic, I mean, a nice time to to meditate. But um, yeah, I tried to talk my wife into it. She went, did some research, came back at me. Some guy who just was on Rogan's pod recently. He was actually a, an interesting guy talking all about the coronavirus. Kind of refuted some of the stuff, saying like the heat, you know, would never be that temperature when it actually reaches you for the benefits that people describe. But but I, I say you mentioned some other stuff here. I will bring up, and um, I'm I'm in, man. I, I want I want this. Yeah, I, I don't, um, I'm not promising that it, you know if you get the virus and you have a right, system that yeah. sit yeah. in the sauna and you'll be fine, but. You know, I've read some plausible stuff for me that it's good. And also, here's, here's the thing about all these interventions. I say vitamin C, vitamin D3, sauna, yeah. exercise, eating low carb, opening your windows, getting sun. All of these things are relatively cheap. I mean, building the sauna is not cheap, but it's not that expensive. And okay, so it's five grand that you don't have. But these are not things that at the end of your life, you're going to be like, I regret that so much. I wish I hadn't taken that vitamin C. I wish I hadn't built that sauna. I wish I hadn't gotten sun that day. These are not scary, dangerous measures. This isn't like, oh, here's an experimental thing. Drink some bleach mixed with, you know, bourbon, uh, and then take some amphetamine, and then you know, see how you know that'll kill it. You know, that's a real man would obviously do that. But the point is, dangerous interventions should not be undertaken without tons and tons of really good evidence. Benign interventions that aren't going to harm you and might help you in many other ways. You know, if you if you hear it's good, if it sounds plausible, if there's some evidence that you see that sounds legit, that's good enough for me. As long as the intervention is reasonably cheap and not likely to kill me or really harm me, then why not? Why not do it? It might actually be right. 
Well, I, first off, I was thinking more like two grand, not five grand, but I'm not a I don't know. shopper. I, I, like I don't know. You, but I, I, I don't know. Baller status. I don't but, um, know. Yeah, I'm getting a sauna. Get an orangey sauna. <laughs> I, I do like that though. No, I, I'm totally with you. All right, now I'm gonna I'm gonna make make Carly listen to this, and uh, I want I, I want one. Um, do you have anything else to talk about the coronavirus for t- brief? No, nah, I'm done with the virus. It you know, it's more it's matter. more about the reaction. Remember, as I said, yeah. The Walking Dead, the zombies. Yeah, I know. We're easily understood and dealt with after a while. You, it, it was the people that were the problem. Did you read that thread I sent you, though? It seems like just so discouraging. You know, if we get a vaccine, then it could return 18 months and all that. And it's just it's tough to convince people to do it because when it's working, then it's invisible because of that, because it's working. So, right. you know, it's, it's very, very, very like a circle. So, um, yeah, yeah I mean, it'll be great if they have a vaccine. But at the same time, like just and we have to leave the house eventually. So we're going to need the vaccine yeah. for that. But, you know, take care of your health and take care of your finances and don't encourage totalitarianism. Don't give in to fear. You know, I mean, I think those are the three things. Be prepared, but don't be fearful and do not surrender your rights or your freedoms to governments lightly because you may not get them back. Well said. Um, all right. I, uh, I don't know. There's NFL stuff. I wrote a column about free agency. It feels silly to write anything, but, uh, Brady going to the, uh, Bucks is pretty nuts. Like what, what if he also becomes with Antonio Brown? Where, where would you, where I love you that. Brady? I hope he comes. I mean, you know, Antonio oh, Brown, yeah, sure. You, know, you say what you he want. He loved him apparently. Yeah. yeah they were friends. Yeah. They were friends. He loved him. So, and supposedly, you know, he's like said, I have specific demands wherever I go. So if that also equals Antonio Brown, I mean, with Godwin and Evans, like he's definitely a top top 10 fantasy quarterback, right? No, I don't know. I, I have him like 22 or 23 now before the Antonio Brown thing. Antonio Brown's going to be like 32. He's been off a year. Is he really Antonio Brown anymore? Brady's arm strength is not good. Evans is a deep ball guy. I'm not sure that's ideal. Uh, James, uh, he's been traded on those intermediate throws. Well, for what it's worth, okay. whatever the 10 and, to 20, but and then, we'll see. And then he might, he's 43 years old. That's very yeah, old. And Jameis, uh, you know, he threw all those picks, but he really, you know, it was great to be a fantasy receiver with Jameis there, right? Because it was like, yeah, he'll make horrible mistakes, but he'll throw into coverage. He'll make, he'll let you make plays. He'll go down the field aggressively. It was all good. Brady's going to throw fewer picks, which means fewer chances taken. He may throw a lot of short stuff to Godwin. Godwin may get like 120 catches because he's going to be like a way better version of Edelman. Uh, and it's, unless Antonio Brown's there, then they're going to compete for that same kind of slot role. But yeah, I, I think it's great for Brady. It's an ideal landing spot, and it's probably a downgrade for those receivers. Even without Antonio Brown, I would rather, if, if I own those receivers, to have Winston as the QB. Yeah, well, I said in the column, uh, it's probably too aggressive, saying top 10. Uh, but he, you know, Brady has fewer picks over the last four seasons than, than Winston threw last year yeah. alone. But, but that's bad. Carnival, that's bad because yeah, it's... I know. He saying, doesn't take chances. Maybe yeah. won't be such yeah, a carnival last right. year. But, 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 um, and also, by the way, like the quarterback eight and quarterback 20 is like, could be argued. They're that, there's right. that little... The problem also with Brady is no running at all. I mean, he may get a sneak for a touchdown, but... Sure. That is just, is in this day and age with all the running quarterbacks that there are, between like Josh Allen even and Russell Wilson and obviously, you know, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray. There's so many running quarterbacks that if you don't run, it's no, totally. so, it's so yeah. hard to compete when you do the math. You're like, how, how many yards, how many touchdowns do I have to give Brady to put him in the same level as Josh Allen? You got to give him a lot to have him catch up to Josh Allen. Yeah. No, I already have Murray at uh, number three on my uh, I have him four. So, and then the, um, and then the other move would be, uh, I, I didn't think it'd be a big deal, but looking a little bit more into, um, into rivers, uh, maybe he's done, certainly probably done in real life helping the team, but, uh, whatever, 7.8 YPA last year, the chargers ran the slowest pace situation neutral and graded out just horribly in pass protection. Whereas the, uh, I'm sorry, the Colts are like the opposite for the offensive line. So maybe Frank Reich's innovative. So but they're slow too. Know, they're, like, they're slow and run heavy. Maybe it was Brissett, right? So that they yeah. didn't do as much and T.Y. Hilton was banged up too. Paris Campbell was banged up. So they're going to have some guys back and. I I just a zero running rivers. Another old guy who doesn't run exactly. Yeah, but I mean, this is just more evidence, just mainly that you should use a super flex though to make these decisions even right. matter. You That's know right. what I mean? That's right. Um, I already talked about Kenyon Drake uh, last week. Um, and then, oh, so what about the the? If you see that coming out, uh, compare, Bill O'Brien compare, apparently compared Hopkins yes, to Hernandez. Real I coach, mean, real I, coach, real coach does that. Real coach sits a superstar player down and immediately goes to Aaron Hernandez level to try to show how serious you are about the discipline you're about to impose. 
uh, and then trade your guy for a an overpriced running back for basically a negative made me laugh. I also thought it was funny because, you know, Michael Irvin's like, he took the high road and then I called him the next day and then he busted this out. And then later on, Hopkins is like, I have the most utmost respect for Bill O'Brien. Either take the fucking high road and don't say anything or throw him under the bus and say, yeah, that guy's an asshole. And thank God I got traded. But do not pretend you're taking the high road and throw him under the bus. I just lose respect for that. I really do. Like just... It's like saying, I take full responsibility. Absolutely. I'm the CEO of this company, of Boeing. I take full responsibility. And then you get your bonus. You don't resign. You don't go to jail. You don't take any, you're just saying you're taking responsibility. So you can't just, I'll just take the high road. I respect, you know, or just saying, he didn't say that. Michael Irvin said that, but he said, I have so much respect for Bill O'Brien. Don't say that if you're going to throw him under the bus. You know, totally. and, and yeah, also, I, yeah. in, in, in O'Brien's defense, obviously I didn't hear the conversation, but it might have been a joke. He might have, you know, who knows, you know, we don't really know. So it's a very, I think either go scorched earth or just keep your mouth shut and take the W of playing for a good team and a more wide open offense. Comparing him to Aaron Hernandez and too many baby mamas. So you can't even write that stuff. I mean, that's just, it's right. crazy. Again, you're hearing, what, you're hearing a hearsay one side of the story. <laughs> not, you're not, not hearsay. Cause he was, well, you're, you're hearing hearsay from Michael Irvin. So it is hearsay. But secondly, you're, you're just hearing, uh, one side of the story and no context. And they might've had an otherwise normal conversation. It might've been a joke. Who knows? I, it might've been Bill O'Brien just being a total douche, but to me, it's, that's why that's a little sketch. Like either just like throw him under the bus and say, I don't care how sketch it is. I, I'm, this guy is the worst. He acted like there's respect between them. Right. Okay. So even not counting for David Johnson being in a bad contract and finishing dead last in elusive rating last year, here are the other receivers that have been traded for first round picks that DeAndre Hopkins did not bring back. It's like Roy Williams, Percy Harvin, Peerless Price, Brandon Cooks twice. I mean, that's just, just absurd. The, the, the lack of return there. And, um, What's the other ramifications? Uh, oh, I want to give you a chance. To, I've heard you, you've kind of uh, take Mike Clay to task as far as the Cardinals now having the best receiving core in the league. That's what I wanted to ask. I was really taking him to task. I'd say that he happened to tweet out that the Cardinals now are the best receiver core in the league with Hopkins, Fitzgerald, and Christian Kirk. And I was just surprised by it because I thought Fitzgerald, how, is he even a plus? I mean, he's like 38 years old. He's probably about the same speed as Jeff Erickson. And then <laughs> Christian Kirk... It seems like a good receiver, right? He seems like a quality receiver, kind of has made some plays, but he didn't seem like a... Like, if you said, who would you rather have, like Terry McLaurin or Christian Kirk? I'd say Terry McLaurin. Say, who would you rather have, uh, DJ Chark oh, yeah. or Christian Kirk? Yeah. I'd say DJ Chark. I mean, yeah. you know, Christian Kirk is maybe the 25th best receiver in the league or 20th or something like that. Adam Thielen or Christian Kirk. Adam Thielen, you know, it's not like he's an elite receiver. And then you've got Hopkins. And Hopkins is obviously an elite receiver, but is he top three anymore in real life at age 28, or is he more like top 10? So you got top 10, a top 25, maybe. And to me, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, who's toast. So that doesn't sound like the best receiving core in the league. I think Tom Hopkins is top three, but I agree with the rest of your assessment, which doesn't make it the best uh, receiving core. But uh, so Houston, Will Fuller's my guy. You know that. But man, he's always hurt. So Kenny Stills, who knows if he can stay healthy. But that dude was top 10 in, in yards per tar- target, fantasy points per target, catch rate, QB rating. So I like him to move move up like top thirty ish guy. He's if old he, um, Isn't he about thirty now? I mean, he's yeah. thirty. Fuller's always hurt. Ah, he has Deshaun Watson throwing to him. Is it going to be the number one wide receiver? It's a lot of upside. I feel like uh, that will not be treated as such. No, you, you think it's too aggressive? Top thirty? Oh, top thirty overall? Uh, yeah. I no, mean, no, no. Receiver? No, I have him as like my thirtieth receiver. Kenny Stills. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like I, that's what I mean. Top thirtieth receiver. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not that aggressive. Thirtieth receiver. That's nothing. That's no big deal. Okay. Uh, and then I, I like Jarwin a lot. Um, got Witten's carcass out of there. That guy's really good under the hood stats, but they did resign Cooper. But man, do you know how loaded tight end is? Um, just crazy amount of, uh, of guys available. But Hayden, uh, Chris Herndon, Gasecki, Goddard, uh, Hawkinson, Fant, John U. Smith even. But uh, the main takeaways is I would stay away from Austin Hooper joining you know, a loaded Cleveland and Mayfield may just suck. I, I frankly, I'd rather Hurst, probably same price, but I guarantee he'll be cheaper. But that Atlanta offense just throws to their tight ends a ton in the red zone. And Mark Andrews uh, may be the number one tight end now with Hurst leaving. Yeah, I mean, you have Mark Andrews. There are It's so funny because like just a year ago, they're like, tight ends dead. There's no good tight ends. It's like crazy deep. 
Yeah, and they, so many, right. And, and even like, yeah, Hawkinson, you said, could be a monster in his second year or Fant. These rookie tight ends don't do anything. And the next year, sometimes they bust totally. out. John U. Smith looks like he's going to be really good. For Mike Gusecki's uh, workout measure are off the charts. And he was getting a lot of targets for Miami down the stretch. Chris Herndon, if you look at his highlight package on the Jets, like there's really interesting. I like Blake Jarwin a lot. Like whenever he's gotten targeted, he looks like a, he could be, I'd say, top 10 right now um, in Dallas. That team's going to score a lot. So, yeah, tight end is suddenly super loaded. Um, what else? Uh, what else? So my daughter's birthday today. Happy seventh birthday to Chloe. Um uh, oh, one thing I want to circle back with the NFL is I haven't heard people talk about this. I'm sure they have. I haven't been exactly glued to sports talk radio, but adding a 17th game, assuming leagues ever do restart. Um, I actually want to ask you that next, but how does that work with teams having odd number of home games each year? That seems incredibly unfair. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with the schedule. I, 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 I'm like you, I really haven't looked into the details of that stuff because it's like first, like when and if we're going to have one, What's society going to look like on the way out of this? I'm really the stock market to me and, and the economy and the UBI and all that. That's that to me is like riveted my attention. The, totally. virus, the you, virus less because it's like, all right, I'm staying at home. Like I'm doing what I can. Hopefully it calms down. It probably won't, but it's more just like the, the we're, we're just in a whole new paradigm now, man. I mean, I don't, I don't think people realize people are like, oh yeah, it'll be back to normal. First of all, normal wasn't no, normal. Normal no. was like a total bubble driven by complete fake economy, totally hollowed out. We didn't make anything. It was just stock buybacks. It's, I just don't think it's going to go back to anything what we the, – the, the party's over. And oh. it's going to be a different world when we come out the other side. So it's just so hard for me to uh, – you know, I can look at analyzing the NFL because it's my job, and so I've been doing write-ups and changing projections. But that's about as far as I get. I can't, I can't go down oh, to like the sure. NFL's scheduling or any of that stuff. Oh, I know. Thousand percent, man. It'll never be normal again, and that's just a dumb little respite. I, I, I totally and, agree. And, and it might be um, better. I think it's going to be better in like three years. You know, I might. It's going to be some painful transition period. Oh, you do think that is possible? Oh, not you just possible, think, yeah. okay. likely. Okay. Oh, okay. Like, well, that's great to hear, man. We, we, I mean, I, uh, okay. I'm glad you, you think that. Well, we'll see. We have to survive first, but uh, you know, the virus is not the way you wanted to, to have it happen. But maybe it wouldn't happen any other way. I mean, there were just people stealing, and now if they try to bail out people there's going to be pitchforks coming out. I mean, people are way more like no fucking way. Are you giving money to these nutless monkeys? I mean, it's just everywhere. It's mainstream commentary. Nobody wants those guys to get bailouts. I don't know how they pulled it off in 2008. It was kind of, everyone's in shock and they did it quick. It's going to be very hard to get that past people. So a couple more sports things real quick. Your thoughts if the NBA, I don't think it is going to return, but if they're like determined and they swear that it's going to return late July and push everything back to next year, almost certainly a best case scenario, that would still be empty arenas throughout, throughout summer. Right. Or do you, or do you disagree? Uh, yeah, I think probably to get it as early as possible to do empty arenas. And they also just don't want the liability. Right. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is the numbers are down. It's, it's clearly on the wane, a sport, comes back into session with full crowds and the next week the numbers spike and they can't directly prove it or maybe they can maybe the cities that had it all spiked you know the cities that had franchises spiked and the cities that don't didn't spike immediately that would be a disaster so i think they're going to want to go small and just you know have the per, you know essential personnel and teams there and then gradually do it that's what i would think unless they want to just wait even longer to make sure the coast is clear but i think it's going to be hard to pick that point. So they're going to want to jump in. There's going to be some risk. They're going to want to start making money again. And they're going to probably do it lean and empty arenas, my guess. I mean, Kevin Durant got it, man. I mean, how, how crazy. Uh, I mean, this is well, wild. I, well, I, you know, I've been saying this, but, and, I, and hopefully this never happens, but if one of these NBA guys, especially a famous one like him, had to go to the ICU or, God forbid, worse, it would go bananas. The fear would just go through the charts, right? It's like, People are like, oh, yeah, I'm not 85 with a heart condition. Okay, it's horrible. I'm going to stay home, but I'm not too worried about it. But if someone like Kevin Durant got really sick. Stringer Bell. Well, Stringer Bell, but he's like probably 60. Older, yeah, 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 yeah. But he's still young. Yeah, I mean, that would be really bad too. You know I mean? So, uh, but if an NBA player, a guy who's in his prime, it would go bananas if something like that happened. For sure. Um, so as of now, at least, uh, I know you, you're not really hands-on on this, but we're doing the League of Leagues draft Saturday. It seems like everyone's actually nice. – uh, they, they're, they're 
But like one person's like, are we sure we're going to do this now? And then like everyone's jumping in, like, I'm really looking forward. We're stuck at home, really looking forward to this. So that's going to be uh, interesting, but um, funny that everyone is uh, like actually seemingly looking forward to, to, I don't know, just something, you know, a distraction. Uh, one last thing, Liz, of course. So I did do my homework, uh, watch Midsummer last night, like two oh, yeah. and a half hours and right. actually stayed, stayed up in uh, two things. Uh, a, I want the full backstory on that one onlooker, the guy, the person, the thing that keeps uh, looking on. And sadly, um, real life uh, right now must just be scarier in my mind because I wasn't too disturbed. But uh, yeah, that was uh, there's some 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 very demented things going on there. But uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I'm glad it's, you watched. Uh, it. No, it was that was entertaining movie. I was I, I, I wouldn't I, say I, it was I entertaining. Was gonna... I wouldn't say it's entertaining. I just thought. You know, the face plant was pretty hardcore. You're like, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. It was just like, what? And then like the whole uh, sex scene uh, toward the end, like you're like, oh, this is so bonkers. Like what's With going on? With the elderly on? woman helping. Yeah, yes, she was helping assisting. out. Yes, yes. Was there's a, some yeah. assistance in that. And um, the onlooker. And yeah, I was the laughing. The story of yeah, the onlooker. Yeah, I was, I was laughing about during that scene because I just thought like, and, and I know what my friend was like recommending us watching because he was like, oh yeah, there's some demented stuff in this movie uh but it was in the end i thought the i thought the ending was really good actually i thought the very end was really good i don't want to give it away it was it was smart like the storytelling early on like i didn't know where it was going and it was just the way they they introduced like how how to get there they could have done that quickly and instead they spent 30 minutes on it and i thought that was uh you know smart but it was not a good watch right it was not an enjoyable watch it was it was it was a taxing watch i thought yeah 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 well yeah like I said, yes, it was not the, uh, not recommended for everyone for sure. But, um, like I, like I warned you, I have a demanded mind, but, uh, so it fit perfectly for me. Good, good call with that one. And I'm definitely going to check out Bab- uh, Babylon Berlin or whatever. I looked into that. Well, I've not heard of it. I've, I've not watched a little bit. It. it looks and good it though. Looked like really good reviews. Yeah, for sure. So definitely check that out. Um, all right, man, that's all I got for you. Um, I'm Mr. Doom and gloom over here. Yeah. Well, my last thing I was going to say, let's wrap it up on a positive note. Not that we care about that, but is I really think things are going to change for the better. I think the state of affairs was really bad for a lot of people. You know, you and I were doing fine, but I didn't, I didn't think it, things were being run honestly or fairly. And I'm not hoping for miracles, but I just do think that things needed a huge shakeup. Uh, and sometimes when there's a recession or a depression or a crash, a lot of the fraud gets washed out. And you, you know, the people who have, you know, honest lives and honest living, um, tend to do better. They tend to survive and build on those foundations and lessons are learned. So um, take care of your health, take care of your finances to the extent, the best you can. Uh, try to be responsible and robust as a person. And uh, I do think better things will come for, for sincere people who are uh, you know, actually doing their best. Well said. Uh, stay safe, listen to everyone who's listening. All right, man. Talk to you soon.